Congregation, this morning I proclaim to you the Word of God as we confess that in Lord's Day 13 of the Heidelberg Catechism, Lord's Day 13. And the Word of God is summarized there as follows. Why is He, Jesus, called God's only begotten Son, since we also are children of God? Because Christ alone is the eternal, natural Son of God, we, however, are children of God by adoption through grace for Christ's sake. Why do you call Him our Lord? Because He has ransomed us, body and soul, from all our sins, not with silver or gold, but with His precious blood, and has freed us from all the power of the devil to make us His own possession. So far, our confession. Beloved congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, brothers and sisters, and that includes the boys and girls here too. In Matthew 20, verse 28, we read about ransom. We sang about that. All the, the songs that we sang, I don't know if you noticed that, but they all mention ransom. Ransom. Ransom is money paid to free somebody from captivity. They're being held for ransom. Money has to be paid. Over the past number of years, Somali pirates have captured ships off the east coast of Africa, held the crews for ransom. And then the crew members are held captive under poor conditions until, until the money was paid for them. Only once the money was received were they given their freedom. Not long ago, a movie was made about such a kidnapping and demand for millions of dollars of ransom money. Captain Phillips, I think the, the movie was called. True story of a whole piracy and ransom affair off the coast of Somalia. The captain was rescued from Somali pirates by force, but the usual scenario is that Sailors are only freed when, when the ransom money is paid. So that, that word ransom, which we read about, which we sang about, also appears in our catechism in Lord's Day 13, right? Uh, in the second part, second question and answer, why do you call Jesus our Lord? Because he has ransomed us, body and soul, from all our sins, not with silver or gold, but with his precious blood, and has freed us from all the power of the devil to make us his own possession. Jesus Christ has ransomed us. That's why we call him Lord. He ransomed us. I'm going to center the explanation of Lord's Day 13 around that idea of ransom, and so I proclaim to you God's word as we confess that in this Lord's Day with this theme, God's Son, our Lord, has ransomed us. We see three things, our captivity, Christ's ransom, and his possession. First, our captivity. Now, if you were captured by Somali pirates, you'd at least have some hope that you could be freed someday if somebody paid the ransom money. Maybe the owners of the boat or the, the government but Lord's Day 13 portrays 
a hopeless captivity, actually. At the end of Lord's Day 13, it talks about all the power of the devil. We're in the power of the devil. And brothers and sisters, boys and girls, let me assure you that the devil is a lot more powerful at holding us captive than a bunch of Somali pirates. No human army, nothing on earth can, can beat him. And he doesn't want any of his captives ever to go free. He's not interested in freeing them. Maybe, maybe we don't feel like we're in the power of the devil, that we're his captives. We might be, maybe don't feel that we've been in his power. That's the trouble with being in his power. He's so deceptive and powerful, he misleads people into thinking they're still free even though they're in his power. All mankind became captive to him. In paradise, God said to man, if you eat that, of that tree, you will surely die. And with that dying, God meant being given over to the power of the devil. That's what death is. God tested man in paradise with that tree, and the question is often asked, why did God do that? He knew that man was going to, going to fail the test, didn't he? Well, God gave that test in paradise because he wanted man to consciously choose to love and serve him. Also there, in, in paradise, in perfection. He wanted real love from Adam and Eve. And that meant they had to deliberately and genuinely choose for him. But when man chose against God and for the devil, God had to do as he said he would do. Gave mankind over to the devil, to the power of the devil. Man ended up in a dark prison on death row with the devil as the chief guard. You see, Lord's Day 13 wants us to realize where we'd be without the Lord Jesus Christ. We'd be given over to hell. We wouldn't be there yet, but we'd be given over to it, to the power. That's where we'd, we'd be going. And that's something that has to sink in with us. Of ourselves, we'd all be given over to the eternal punishment of hell. Not nice to think of hell. But if we don't know what we've been freed from, then we're not really going to be thankful for, what, for being freed, right? If you've been freed from a debt of $100, if somebody pays that debt for you, you're going to be pretty, pretty thankful, Right? But if somebody relieves you of a debt of $100,000 or more, then you're going to be even more thankful. You're going to be immensely grateful. Like Jesus once said, those who have been forgiven much love much. Well, Jesus Christ freed us from hell. And hell is, hell is a place where you pay eternally for the debt of your sin. That's much more than being freed from some Somali pirates. In hell, you'd suffer eternal God-forsakenness. You'd be given over forever to the agony 
without any prospect of ever giving, getting out of that place, a dark place. It's a hopeless place. That's why it's called eternal death, too, or the second death. Hard to imagine what hell is like. The Bible talks about it in symbolic terms, fire that never goes out, the worm that never dies. Nobody has ever come back from there to tell us what it's like. Jesus suffered hellish God-forsakenness and the pain, terror, and agony of hell on the cross, but that took place in darkness. That's how horrible it was. Not nice to think of hell. But we have to think about it in order to be truly thankful for what Jesus did. In order to be thankful to the depths of our hearts for not having to go there because of him. And we need to know that, otherwise our faith becomes superficial. Hell, a terrible place. Awful, eternal darkness. It's a place you can never get out of. Maybe you think, you know, you could try to pay for some of your sins somehow in hell by doing some good works there, but nobody would ever come to the idea of doing good works in hell. You can only come to good works through God, and God is not in hell. He isn't there at all. And that's what makes it such a horrible place. You end up in eternal hopelessness. You never can get out of in the power of the devil and there's no hope at all without him and it's important to consider something of what it means to be in the power of the devil to be in hell to be in his power is much much more severe serious than to be in the power of someone to whom you owe a hundred thousand dollars there's no way you can get out of your debt with him in hell. And if you, think that, if you think that through a bit, you can at least begin to comprehend what Jesus Christ did for us. At least begin to comprehend that. What it means for him to be our Lord and God's only begotten Son. He paid an incredible, unimaginable price for us. One that's going to take us an eternity to thank him for and praise him for. And that brings us to the second part of the sermon, Christ's ransom. When the Son of God came to earth, <coughs> he had a specific goal in mind. He had always lived in heaven as God's eternal Son. He had agreed to the eternal counsel of God that at a certain time he would go to the earth in order to free people from the power of the devil, free people from the prison in which they would end up because of sin, the prison which has the devil as guard. Well, the Son of God agreed with the Father and the Spirit from eternity already. He agreed that he would go to this earth, this little planet in the universe, and that he would become man in order to free men, free people, the people God gave him from all the power of the devil. And the right time for him to come to this earth and to free those people from death row was around 2,000 years ago. He came to earth with that specific goal and task to free us from the power of the devil 
by ransoming us, paying our ransom. When God's son was born as a baby in Bethlehem, he didn't know why he was there. He didn't know why, why he was here, what his task was. He was a baby. He humbled himself to be born a baby who had to learn everything again as he grew up. But as he grew older, he more and more came to understand what he had to do, why he had come, that he had come to ransom people. And he understood more and more of how he had to do that. Think of when he was 12 and went to the Passover feast. Joseph and Mary searched for him everywhere. They found him in the temple discussing with the teachers of the law what salvation was about. And he learned what he had to do. And that's why eventually he also came to that statement he made to his disciples as we read that in Matthew 20, verse 28. The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as ransom for many. That's what makes him Lord. To give his life as ransom for many. He paid for us with his life, his life's blood on the cross of Golgotha, the highest possible price, unbelievable price for us, his holy life. Imagine that you were kidnapped by Somali pirates. Imagine that those pirates demanded a million-dollar ransom for your freedom. I think you'd be frantic, wondering if somebody would be willing to pay that much to set you free. Or if there was somebody with that much money who cared about you enough. If there wasn't, you'd realize you're never going to get free. You'd never be free again. You'd die in a prison or be killed by the pirates. We were in prison. And the Son of God cared. And after he became man, he was not only willing, but he was also able to ransom us, to ransom you with his blood. Not with silver or gold, no wealth on earth could free you from that, from that prison, from that death row. The richest man, as we sang Psalm 49, can't buy himself another day of life, let alone ransom himself from eternal death. But our Lord Jesus Christ paid our ransom with his life, the holy lifeblood of God in human flesh, which is just about the most precious thing in the whole universe you could ever imagine. God's Son humbled himself even to death on an accursed cross for us, gave his precious blood, his whole life, body and soul, to ransom us, body and soul from that prison. And that was, as I mentioned, something he grew up here to accept here on earth. As he, he grew older here, he learned over time that's what he had to do, give his life as a ransom for us. There was no other way to free those the Father had given him from all the power of the devil. He had to learn that. He had to accept that. And don't think that was easy for him as man. That was a struggle for him to accept that that's what he had to do. 
hellish agony. Hebrews 7, Hebrews 5, 7 and 8 describes, describes Jesus' struggle to accept that task. When it says there, Jesus in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplication with vehement cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death, was heard because of his godly fear, though he was a son. Yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. He wrestled. He wrestled to accept his immense task here, even right up to when he prayed with his disciples in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he cried out, Father, is this really the only way? Do I have to give my life as ransom for sinners? Do I have to give myself over to hellish suffering and death? But he was both ready and willing and able to do that, and that's what he did. Gave his life as ransom for many. And now you might wonder yet, to whom did Christ pay that ransom to set us free? You know, with, with a ransom money, that money is always paid to the people who are holding the prisoner. You know, with the Somali pirates, those pirates have to be paid. You don't, want, you don't want to pay them, but you have to, to set the people free. Did Jesus have to pay the devil to ransom us from his power? Did he pay the, the devil for us with his life? No congregation. Adam and Eve had not given God what he had a right to from them. They should have devoted themselves to God, their maker. They should have only listened to him. They should have loved him alone with all their heart, soul, and mind. But instead, they listened to the devil. They paid more attention to his words than to God's words. So Adam and Eve and we with them didn't give God the love and the devotion he, we owed him. He should have received from us. Well, Christ devoted his whole life to God for us. He only listened to God. He loved God perfectly. Never an inch off, off the right path. And then he gave his holy life to God as ransom for us. Gave God the love and the obedience and the payment, the hellish payment for sin we owed. And he did it in our place. And everyone who believes in Christ doesn't have to pay his or her own debts to God. And those who believe in Christ are given the right to call themselves children of God, it says John 1. That's how fully our ransom has been paid by Christ. He paid everything we owed, everything, freed from that prison, from death row, from the devil's power. And that doesn't mean that you're never going to sin anymore. The devil still has the power to tempt it, and he does his best to see if he can recapture. Unfortunately, we still do sin, even as members of Christ. But Christ has brought it about that you'll be completely freed from all your sins in the future. Frees us from all our sins. No sin is too great as long as you hate your sins. You repent from them. You go to him for forgiveness for them. They're not going to count against you anymore. And his ransom means that in the future we'll be completely freed from all the power of the devil. 
The devil became the guard of the prison where we had to go after the fall into sin. But through Christ, we're set free from that prison, from death row. Whoever belongs to Christ has the freedom papers in his hand already. Fully paid. Ransom fully paid. The devil has to let him or her go. The work of Christ is reckoned to his or her account and they're in God's sight as if they had never committed any sin. If you belong to Christ, if you belong to Christ, the devil has no right to hold on to you anymore. No right to drag you deeper into the dungeons of his prison anymore. No, as it says, Matthew 20, verse 18, Christ gave his life as ransom for many. Ransom for many. Many, not everybody, not everybody believes in him. But many do. And through faith in Christ, you are one of them and you will be freed from the power of the devil then. The devil has to let go of you and you can look ahead with a peaceful heart. When you leave this life, you don't have to be afraid of coming face to face with the holy God. Your ransom has been paid in full to him. It's been paid. You're leaving this life is therefore a dying to sin and an entrance into eternal life with your Lord. And that brings us to the last part of the sermon, his possession. That Christ ransomed us isn't just a comfort for when we leave this life. We look ahead or when we're going to leave this life. It's a comfort through our life here now too. We are now already his possession. We confess that in Lord's Day 13. And that's what baptism shows, for instance, because he ransomed us, we belong to him, body and soul. Are you happy that you belong to Christ, body and soul? Belonging to him means that though he freed you from death row in prison, you're actually not free now either. He freed you from all the power of the devil but you're now his possession. He's your Lord. He's your boss. What does the Lord do with his possessions? Well, what do you do with something that costs you an enormous amount of effort and sacrifice? You're going to be extremely careful with that, right? Like if you bought very rare coins or stamps, if you bought very rare stamps for a lot of money, collected them. Just heard about a man in Brampton whose, whose stamp collection is worth $10 million. Collected it over time. I'm sure he takes extremely good care of that collection. He keeps it in a safe so that nobody can steal it or fire or flood can't get at it. Well, the Lord takes good care of those whom he ransomed with his precious blood paid the highest price for those who are his possession. And we can even take it a step farther. It's not hard to be the Lord's possession because he possesses in love. He possesses in love. Belonging to Christ means that 
He's not even ashamed to be called her brother, as it says in Hebrews. That's how, how he possesses us in love. Because we belong to him, to God's only begotten son, we're adopted by God to be his sons and daughters too. And you realize now we've moved from the, the last question and answer of Lord's Day 13 to the, the first one. Why is, he, why is he called God's only begotten son if we are also children of God? Because we belong to Christ, to, to God's Son who ransomed us, we live in the freedom of the sons of God, Paul writes in Galatians 4, as children and heirs with Christ. That's how he possesses us. And you realize being God's children through and with Christ gives us a wonderful identity in this life. Children of God. Sometimes we can feel so unsure of ourselves. We wonder what other people think of us. As children of God, though, we don't have to be insecure in that way about ourselves. We can look higher and we know that God loves us because of his son to whom we belong. And that's what counts. Sometimes people can look down on us. Maybe they don't even want to talk to us and they're avoiding us. That can make you feel pretty lonesome. And then you can look up and know that because of Christ, God loves you. He cares for you as his child, as if you're an only child. Maybe you feel uncertain about the future, young people. Maybe you wonder, will I find a good career? Will I marry? Who will I marry? Will I have a good marriage? You can look beyond all those uncertainties and know that you're the Lord Jesus Christ's cherished possession and thus child of God, child of God whom he will take care of in the future. And you can be sure of that. Your father in Christ keeps his hand on you wherever you go in life. And he's the best father there is. Maybe boys and girls, maybe boys and girls, you're not happy with your looks I wish I was as good-looking as that person or as popular or as smart. But you've been baptized. You're God's child in Christ. He possesses you. He loves you. And therefore, God loves you more than you will ever know. Don't forget, he gave his only son to ransom you. See, knowing ourselves as children of God because of Christ doesn't make you proud or haughty or uncaring. It doesn't make you self-confident or overconfident. No, it makes you humble, peaceful, thankful, confident in your Father in heaven. He stands up for me because his only son bought me with his blood and now I'm his child. Maybe you wonder if you're a true child of God. The Bible shows that there are also children of God who fell away. Think of Esau, Saul, Judas, and so on. They were, they were covenant children of God, too. There were two kinds of children of God. Jesus called Judas a son of perdition. Am I a true child of God? You know, and if you keep thinking and doubting that, that can be crippling. You end up 
trying your hardest to earn the right to be called a child of God, a true child of God. And then, and then you think you have to earn your way to God's heart. Congregation, the gospel of God's Son is meant to free us from that do-it-yourself mindset. Think of what we read, Galatians 4. The apostle assures us that God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And, and then God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts so that we say with him, Abba, Father, Abba. That's the intimate Greek word for father, Dad. Jesus used that word when he prayed to his Father in heaven. Well, the idea is that through Christ we are to God as if we were as perfect and lovable and faithful sons and daughters as his own natural son, Jesus himself. We're his possession. All that is his is ours too. Promise to us. Don't doubt that. The apostle writes in Galatians 4, verse 7, Therefore you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ, he writes to the Galatians, the thing is, a slave has to earn his way into his master's house. We don't need to be like slaves, trying our best to earn our place in God's house or God's heart. No, through Christ... Who paid the ransom. We're sons and daughters of God. Beloved by God. With his blood he freed us from that need to earn and obtain. He, he got for us the right. that he, they're All the rights he had as God's son. He got them for us. We're God's children through him. Heirs with Christ of all things. So we have to stop acting like slaves who have to earn their way into their master's heart and live here as children of God in Christ, knowing that they are loved by God in Christ. Congregation, we mentioned before how Jesus ransomed us. We were in, in prison with the devil as the guard on death row, so to speak. But the Lord Jesus ransomed us from all the power of the devil with his precious blood. But Jesus' salvation is not only like being led out of that prison and out of death row. No, then we'd be free, but we'd still be on our own, thrown back on our own efforts to make something of ourselves here yet. But the gospel tells us that the Lord Jesus has not only ransomed us from that prison and its guard, its horrible guard, but as God's only son, he has brought us into God's family as sons and daughters of God and heirs with him of all things. His Father loves us as he loves his only begotten Son. Think about that. And unless we remember that, we're going to keep being anxious and despairing whenever we sin or fall. We'll think our slate has been wiped clean, but now it's up to us to write good deeds on that slate so God will accept us and love us. That's where we'd be left if we only think of Christ as Lord who has ransomed us. But our slate is clean and, 
and Christ has written his perfect righteousness on it for us too. And our inheritance is not something we need to merit or win yet. No, it's a gift of God's Son. Fully God's children with all the rights and the privileges of children with God. And as children of God, we don't have to walk through life in fear of anyone or anything. We can walk in confidence. Our Father loves us. We can start with that. He loves us in Christ. And our Father, He owns the whole universe. He loves us as He loves His only Son. As long as we walk with His Son in faith. We don't have to be afraid of losing His approval or missing the inheritance He has ransomed us for. Christ has made us sons and daughters of God with Him, co-heirs with Him of all things, heirs of everything a loving Father has made.